Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to SST, Apple Podcasts app, Spotify. You know what to do. Subscribe, rate, review. I'm here with my guys. Haven't said these words in a while, in a long while. The NBA Outsiders. It's that season. Been teasing it for a few weeks on the pod now that we're going to talk some NBA, and it's finally, finally here. And I get to welcome in my friend, None other than OG, co-host of SST, Sports Blog New York podcast for the OGs, John Lucas Duffy. What's up, brother? OGs, OGs will remember. What what is Wooter? What, what is Wooter? <laughs> no, no, uh, ain't nobody know about that. Nobody. No, no one knows a thing about it anymore. Uh, what's up, Pete? How are uh, we doing? You had a good uh, NBA pun opportunity there when I said OGs only. You could have said OGs and Anobis. That's more your humor than mine. And if I was Tony Reality, I'd toss you a mute. <laughs> and you're hearing the laugh in the corner. He's been here a little more recently talking NFL. <laughs> He'll be back talking NFL soon. We're just trying to get them schedules lined up. But Kyle Anderson, yeah. what's up, my guy? Chilling, man. Chilling. It's, it's been a long time coming. So I'm glad uh, Glad we're all back, man. It's, it's been a while. And, uh, you know, like you said, I've been trying to Jumping on the, on the football pods, you know, from here and there, getting the itch a little bit, but glad we got the crew back, man. Absolutely. So, wait, did you like the OG Ananobi joke there, or did you hate, like, hate it so much that you liked it anyway? I'm not sure. <laughs> that was more the, more the latter, more the latter for sure. But it was it was definitely it was definitely dad joke worthy. So it was fucking great. That's kind I of that's it. kind of my lane. <laughs> I own it. It's fine. We'll we'll, we'll, roll, yep. we'll roll with that. So obviously, there's so much to get into with the NBA. It's one of those things where you know we've talked about it offline, where we had the COVID year, the bubble season. It finished. I forget now. I remember on Twitter it popped up like, oh, one year ago today, the Heat took on the Lakers in the finals. And I was like, what? We're already, you know, we're starting the new season. Like, this is insane how quick this all happened. I think the three of us and a lot of NBA fans in general kind of felt that fatigue, um, you know, halfway through the season last year and then into the playoffs last year as well. And kind of when the Nets got knocked out and then the Lakers were knocked out, there was like some injuries. We were still all hyped for Chris Paul and the Suns. Everyone respected Giannis and that amazing run they had. But there was something, a little something missing, and we have to try and get that back now, and the excitement is starting to creep up. We have a ton of storylines to get to, some annoying that we have to talk about. And we'll start there. Obviously, we're going to get into other things like the Lakers and the Knicks and the improved Eastern Conference and how that kind of ranks out, where the West is strong and where they're weak. But we have to talk about this, right, Duff? Your 76ers have been in the news for one thing really and one thing only, it's annoying. I'm assuming you're annoyed by it. You're over it. I don't know where you want it to go, so I'll just say the name Ben Simmons, and I'll let you talk your talk about how you're feeling about that situation. Uh, I feel I feel everybody else feels. I'm over it. You know, it's it is what it is. He's on his way out. When it will be, no one's no one seems to know. Uh, it's just a matter of. Is Maury going to find somebody he likes, or is he just going to run out the clock? I think he's going to make a play. I mean, he reported, he got tested, he's cleared. 
he's going to be there on opening night, so they say. Uh, so we'll see about that. I mean, how it is in the locker room, I think is going to be weird. He was probably a bad locker room guy anyway, just because he's just he's not he's not kind of the laugh joke be your buddy kind of guy that like Embiid is. So I think everybody's going to kind of just be like, all right, the better we can make him look, the better he plays, the better we play the more likely it is he actually gets out of here and we get something better for it. So hopefully everybody sees that big picture and they kind of toe the line. That's, that's my, that's as optimistic as I can be about this situation right now. That's very fair. And I think the actual basketball side of things that obviously gets thrown out most of the time when you're hearing talking heads, talk about this, or you're just watching people on Twitter, talk about this is Daryl Morey, the GM and his reluctance to ever like lose a trade, right? He's been a trade home run hitter for a while now in this league and he's been driving this price up and maybe driving it down at the same time it's really tough to say actually what's the what's the true price of Ben Simmons and do people have to pay to get him or the Sixers have to pay to get rid of him that's the actual interesting basketball side of things so through all this BS all this drama about Ben Simmons and shooting or not shooting showing up or not showing up getting vaccinated or not is there a specific trade or a trade partner, perhaps, that does actually excite you as a Sixers fan? Because also, for those SST listeners out there right now who maybe got on board more recently and don't know the J. Lou Duffy story, right? You are a Sixers guy and a huge NBA fan. So is there any one in particular trade that maybe you heard or that you've thought of that does kind of excite you? Or do you think there's one aspect to the way Daryl Morey's doing this that is interesting? I think Daryl and I are both holding out for Damian Lillard. I don't know if it'll happen. Probably not, but that's as optimistic as I can be at this point. Um, I think he is kind of, or, or, or Bradley Beal, like those two guys seem like they're in this situation where they've kind of just hit their ceiling. There's nowhere left for them to go. And as far as upward trajectory, but it's just a matter of whether or not they'll force their way out. And I know CJ McCollum is the name that always gets thrown around in any trade ever, but I feel like that's, that's not going to be enough. Like, I don't know how much this team really changes with CJ. Like as sometimes with number two guys, you're like, man, if they were a number one or if they got more touches, maybe you could see them, you know, go up down, you know, in the kind of NBA hierarchy. I don't really see that with CJ. I think he settled in. He is where he is. Um, and I don't think that guy is really going to push the Sixers over the top and make them better than even Ben Simmons did. Uh, because there have been times where Damian Lillard is like tired. He needs to play. He needs to take quarters off or halves off, especially in the regular season. You see it. And CJ just doesn't seem to always step up. Now he was kind of banged up last year. I think he had a back thing. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what his condition is with that. So I mean, look, he comes here, he's going to be motivated. He's going to want to be, he's, he's going to, he's going to want to prove people like me wrong. So of that, that I'm happy about. And he's, he's definitely not a jerk by all accounts. Mm. Definitely a nice guy. People around the league love him. I hate the idea of the Draymond trade. That oh, makes no terrible. sense to me. Like people who throw that for around. The Warriors, they're getting I a feel, younger Draymond Green. What? Makes sense for the Warriors. They get a younger Draymond Green. Exactly. Like it, it makes, it makes less than no sense for the Sixers to take on Draymond Green. So if anybody's talking about that trade, they're just dumb. So <laughs> that's where I'm at. Like I'm delusional. I still want Damian Lillard. And I think I laid this out for you guys. Like 
if you if you're the Blazers and you get Ben Simmons for Dame, like obviously it's a downgrade. But if he wants out, he wants out. And if you're in Portland, what can you do? Like you don't get free agents. So here you go. You get another form. You or you get a former one number one pick um, who's gonna like be fun to watch on his own team. He'll be flashy. Like people in Portland will still go to the games probably as long as Simmons isn't a total jerk. And then they're not gonna win, especially in the West. So you can keep stockpiling those assets. And then eventually, like the Sixers should have done, flip Ben Simmons for for something better because somebody somewhere will see him put up good stats there and want to take a flyer on him. Like his stock is at an all-time low now. I think Maury's doing the right thing. Just holding on to him. He's like, why am I going to trade him now? He's at an all-time low just because he wants me to. Like that's not a reason. So I'm just going to wait this out. And eventually he'll either play better and someone will take a deal for it or someone will get hurt and get desperate like who knows so i i love what more doing right now just let's just let it ride <laughs> yeah and as a sixers fan it's frustrating and it kind of sucks but you kind of have to tip your cap to maury and even as a non-sixers fan you tip your cap and say oh wow a gm actually just stood up to star player and said no i'm not trading you because you asked you have like four years left on the deal what are, you, what are you talking about right so kyle ben simmons obviously has gotten all this chatter i have one question for you before we get off this to- this conversation through all this there's a, a take that he sucks. There's a take that, nah, he's still good. Has he been over or underrated through this process? Like, what does he have to offer in your in your opinion? Because he has been as high as an all-NBA-level player and as low as what we just saw in the playoffs. So what's your take on the, who he is in today's NBA right now? I think for him to to really thrive, it has to be with an organization or just a team in general that is going to pretty much just give him the keys right off the bat. And just be like, yo, dude, go do your thing. Because if if he's in another role where he's, say, a sidekick or, um, say, uh, maybe the, the second option, I guess you can say, in, in the offense, I just don't think that his, obviously his game, but also just his attitude is going to be right for the situation. And if you're, you know, say some young franchise or whatever, you know, trying to, you know, uh, a lot of talks about, bringing over, um, you know, De'Aaron Fox, you know, is a, like you're from the Kings. I think that's kind of a good fit for him. You know, there's a, a lot of shooters on that team. You, they're, they're young. He can come in and literally just kind of just be the guy. And I think that's a situation where he can kind of find himself a little, little bit with his game and just as a freaking professional. You know, I, I think he's he's in a tough place right now, at least going back to Philly just because he – he's pretty much in a place where obviously the city doesn't want him and, and he's going to have to prove himself if if he does stick with the team. And I think that's a lot to ask of him on top of trying to just find his offensive game, you know, as far as, you know, just perimeter shooting and stuff. So I, I there's, he, he definitely can bring a lot to the table still. I think it's just a tall task for him to go to a team where they need him to be like, off the ball or, hey, come down and give it to the shooter and get get out of the way, right. you know, just for him personally. He needs the keys a little bit. And that's why I think the Kings are a great a great one. And I heard a lot of people saying, oh, give up Halliburton and Heald and put Simmons with Fox. I, I agree with you. I'd rather give up Fox because I think if you're the Kings, you're saying, where are we going? Where, where are we going yeah. with Fox and Halliburton and Heald? Nowhere, clearly. We haven't gone anywhere in, in two years. No, well, Halliburton's new, obviously. But, like, Fox is seemingly a good player, not a great player. 
Ben Simmons is an all NBA player. Like he's a, a huge, not huge, but a substantial upgrade from De'Aaron Fox right now. So I, I love that idea for the Kings. And then for the Sixers, you get a fresh start. You get an energetic player. Duffy shaking his head as a Sixers fan saying, nah, we need more than Fox. We need Dame Lillard. Bro, you ain't getting Dame Lillard right now. Not even close. So don't give me a shaking head over there. I let you have that before. I know, I know, but I, I said it was, I, I said it was delusional. But like, you did. That's fair. I'm not. I'm waiting out for like. I can get De'Aaron Fox whenever I want. You know what I mean? Like that's one of those deals that I'm saying don't, don't jump the gun on. Like you can get that deal whenever you want. So just hold out. Like why, why wait, or why, why get desperate? Right. That's fair. That's fair. And you know what? And he, that's a good. That's what Daryl's doing. I He's think waiting. it's messed up to say, but. My fault, Pete. Oh, I, I I said it was, I was about to say I, it's kind of messed up, but at the same time, if you're if you're Maury, like you low key are kind of hoping that someone gets hurt, like on a big team, mm. you know, like someone that needs a point guard, like right away. And you're like, all right, they need they need what I have. What can you give me? Now you're back, like kind of in control of the whole trade situation, where you can be like, all right, this is what I need if you want Ben Simmons right. and. If you you know say a, a contender that's really in the mix, like all right, the, you you got him if you can give me you know what I want. So yeah, and then you can get so, that, uh, that, just that, before that, we move on, I just want to ta- before we move on, I just want to tack a little more salt in my wound that uh, <laughs> the Suns just signed Mikael Bridges to a four year ninety million dollar deal today. There you go, and that's uh that's mm. just the guy that the Sixers traded away on draft night for absolutely no reason. Wait, Duff, so. I got I got a new sound for you. I don't think you listened to our pod last week. This sound is specifically for you in this exact moment of time. I hate myself. That's for you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hate myself. I just still hate Brett Brown. Oh, that was when he was acting general manager. <laughs> Shout out to Andy Milanakis. All right, here we go. Let's move on because uh, that's enough Sixers and Simmons talk. I was going to say let's spend one minute on Kyrie Irving. I don't even want to do that. I don't want to do it. There's a chance he plays basketball this year. There's a chance he doesn't. And that's all I have to say about that because we're not going to get into the the whole this and that and blah, blah, blah because it's not worth our time. It's really not. So let's talk about some actual basketball because basketball starts today. This episode's coming out on Tuesday. Basketball starts Tuesday. A lot of teams start Wednesday and whatever, but it's here, baby. We made it, right? So there's obviously a bunch of interesting teams. If you think about the heavy hitters in the league, you have obviously the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks in the Eastern Conference. The Nets are the highest over-under win total in the league at 56.5, which is relatively low, perhaps. In some people's eyes, it's saying, oh, Vegas is saying nobody's going to get to 60. Obviously, there's usually one or two teams that get up that high. I don't know. We go on to the Jazz, Lakers, Suns, then to the Sixers. Mavs, Warriors, Heat kind of round out that next bunch into the high 40s. So let's start with the Los Angeles Lakers, as they always are incredibly interesting. We'll be talking about them all year long, but we haven't spoke about them on this podcast since the acquisitions, since Russell Westbrook became a Los Angeles Laker. And it's kind of it's kind of unreal to look at this roster. It's one of those things like you forget what year it is, you forget where you are in the world looking at LeBron, AD, Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Rajon Rondo, Dwight Howard. It's literally an alternate universe, and we're not watching What If on Disney+. Plus. So, Duff, like, your initial thoughts on this team, because I know you have a tendency with your takes here to kind of go one of two ways, especially with a guy named Russell Westbrook involved. Is this going to be a huge shit show, or does the ultimate mask on all problems named LeBron James 
going to shine through and make this thing actually work? Because it can really go in a lot of directions. So as I was listening to you rattle off those names, I was just thinking to myself, like, damn, if this was 10 years ago and you put those, like, into your plan 2K and you just, like, you just, like, rigged the, like, you're doing, like, the GM mode and you just, like, rigged the draft so you get all the good players, like, (laughs) That's what it sounds. That's what it sounds like. You just did. You like forced trades, uh, but I don't like the other thing. When you're like, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Is and literally the first thing that jumped in my lo- mind was like, there's a lot of there's a lot of ego in that locker room. Like you talk about guys over the years, like over the last ten years, that the narrative is what the narrative has been about them off the court. Whether it be you know LeBron has kind of morphed himself into. You know, certain guys love him and will ride for him forever, like Amon Schumper, even after he's like basically out of the league now. In every interview, he's just talking great things about him. Russell Westbrook, like the young guys seem to love him. He, he helped. I don't care what anyone says. He actually, I'll give him credit for one, one thing. He helped Victor Oladipo kind of like turn his uh, mentality around. Mm. Like, I don't know. Like he went into that OKC season, like real soft. And then he was just like shredded when he went to the Pacers. So I give him credit for that, but unfortunately, there's no young guys on this team to do that with. There's uh, two, two young guys, Kendrick and Nunn then, and Malik Monk. That's it. Besides that, there are no young guys. <laughs> yeah, Talon Horton Tucker. I don't even know how old he is. He's just like young in the league years, I guess. Right. Young in experience. Uh, and then Carmelo and Dwight. Like, I just think there's a lot of, like, there's just a lot of big heads in that locker room. That's what I keep thinking about. It's just a lot of guys kind of with their hands out. A, a lot of guys who have been thought of like, why don't I get enough credit over the years? And now they're playing with LeBron James. And he has always been like, oh, Spolster's not the coach, it's LeBron. You know, Griff's not the GM or Kobe Altman's not the GM, it's LeBron. Like, so nobody gets any credit for anything. LeBron always does. And nobody really kind of gets any blame for anything except LeBron does, but particularly with those three guys, they always get the blame. Russ always gets the blame mm. from me in particular. Carmelo also gets the blame from me in particular. Making a and Dwight gets the blame from everybody <laughs> everywhere. So they actually might get, they might get none of the good and all of the bad this season. So it actually might be, it might be like a perfect mix of just like the perfect storm for negativity in that locker room. That's what keeps running through my mind. So are you predicting a shit show? And does that shit show get... I'm like, definitely predicting a shit show. Does, now, does I'm that shit show In the regular season, it's just going to be an absolute circus. Now, we'll see what happens when it gets to the postseason. If everybody kind of, like, figures their stuff out and understands what their role should be, whatever. Like, you know, people are saying, oh, you know, LeBron's going to take games off. Russ can go in there and just let him cook, whatever. You know, just let him get his shots off when LeBron's not playing and he wants to take quarters off, stuff like that. Maybe that'll work. Maybe it won't. I mean that's going to be fine in like the third quarter. But when like Russ is bringing the ball up with two minutes to go, mm. I don't trust him to make the right decision. Mm. And if LeBron's bringing the, the ball up with two minutes to go and Russ is off the ball, he's worthless. So he either is going to play and possibly make really bad choices, or he's going to sit on the bench at the end of games and be really pissed off. So I don't know that, that to me is kind of like the biggest thing is how they close out games. That's what I'm, confused about and i can't wait to watch it now real quick because i know duff you got to bounce in a minute here can we have a quick coach's corner here kyle because frank vogel you know it was never easy to coach lebron it's never gonna be easy to coach a lebron team but now with all the stuff that duff just described right and all the egos and all the people who want 
to be involved when it matters most, maybe mostly naming LeBron and Russell Westbrook, and then Anthony Davis, who gets forgotten about because of maybe his demeanor. But you're Frank Vogel, you're Coach Kyle, right? How in the hell do you figure out how to handle these egos, how to play the right lineup when, when to push, when to reel back? Like, there's so many moving parts. So, Coach Kyle, how do you handle this? You know what, man? You know, me being the Duke fan that I am, I'm going to go back to what Coach K told. I'm pretty sure this is a 2012 and a 2016 team. And he was like, listen, guys, like he, he, he was in an interview one time and he was saying that everyone is like passing up good shots or kind of being too unselfish because like, oh, no, no, you got it. You got it. You got it. And not being aggressive. And I think one of the things that he said, he was like, listen, like everyone keeps thinking that all of your egos are negative, but no, bring your egos to this gym. Like bring your, bring your swagger to this gym. Like bring your confidence to the gym because everyone's going to feed off of that. You know, when it's your time to go, go, you know, when it's your time to, to create for others, take control. And I think that's one of the things that I would say if I was in that locker room is to Yes, be confident and be aggressive and don't think that your, you know, your shot isn't going to be, you know, your number isn't going to be called upon because there are obviously a lot of guys in this room that can play. And I think one of the other things that I would lean on if I was a coach is even though you're not the youngest team in the league, obviously one of the oldest, everyone in here has to be on, you know, in sync, you know, mentally, like we all have to be kind of thinking the same thing on the court. So like, you know, I, I, I'm going to be like talking about my rec basketball team that I'm on right now. But like one of our things, our team name is old and slow and we'll be playing some of these. And I, honestly, I'm not old, but the guys that I play with are guys that I have, that I've been playing like in the morning with all the time over at green street. Shout out. Shout out. And, uh, they, um, you know, we, we, we're old and slow, but we'll be beating like some of these like teams that are my age or younger just because everyone's on the same page and everyone like works off each other. Everyone knows where everyone's supposed to be. I think if the Lakers can kind of have that mentality, they can definitely just beat teams just off of IQ. You know, look at all things. Think of all the people in that room and all the experience that they all have collectively compared to any other locker room. It's probably the best by far. And if they can all connect now mentally and then carry that over to physically, obviously onto the court, I think that's going to be a big, big help for them. And I think Vogel just has to constantly lean on that and look for new ways to, uh, you know, to motivate these guys. You know, right. it's everyone's looking to get a ring, but you know, after the first three, four messages of that, it's going to get old. You know, you have to kind of give them new challenges and kind of just find roles for everyone that that everyone is going to be tuned in and they don't they don't kind of check out you know everyone's at the end of their career probably thinking about what they could be doing once they once they retire you got to keep them locked in you know as, as long as you can till the postseason so that was awesome that was a great response and I like what you did there because I think the initial thought that a lot of people will have is all right you got to figure out how to manage everybody and keep everybody kind of like in check and happy right got to keep them happy yeah. and by doing that you got to give him a little bit, but you can't let them do too much because that's going to step on his toes or that toe. And you're kind of saying, nah, like you got a bunch of legit professionals, a bunch of future Hall of Famers, if we're being honest about it, right, who have egos, who now know 
hopefully where they're at in their career. And if you talk through the line, right, each guy, right, like Melo clearly proved in Portland, he kind of knows where he's at now. He's not Houston and OKC Melo where he's a little bit confused. Dwight proved it in L.A. recently that he knows what he's doing as a backup center, even in Philly last year, pretty good. Rondo, he might not be legit until the playoffs, but hey, it might be only when you need him, right? Like, so all these things kind of check out. The one, obviously, big one, it's a little bit tougher maybe, is Russ. But I like where your head's at telling him, yo, Russ, we got you here to be Russell Westbrook. We didn't get you here to be, you know, cookie-cutter league average point guard. We didn't get you here to, I'm trying to, I, I don't want to insult anybody by saying league average. You don't want, we didn't get you to be Jeff T. Oh, right. No, you know, yeah. like, we yeah. got he, you to hear yeah. be, to be Russell Westbrook. And one thing that I will say, as a guy who's criticized Russell Westbrook on many occasions on this very podcast, he's going to help them in the regular season. That's a fact. Just based off energy and care and putting his best foot forward every single moment, it's going to rub off on people, and it does pretty much everywhere he goes, and that's proven. Now, does that mean he doesn't have uh, a month stretch every season where he can't score and is terrible late in games? That's going to happen too probably, right? But you hope that AD and LeBron can cover that up. So instead of telling Russ, yeah, Russ, you got to change. you got to be pulled back. you got to be a straight-up distributor. You can't be attack mode Russ. No, that's not what we want. We got Russell Westbrook to be attack mode Russ to carry us with his energy and his care throughout this regular season, and specifically the regular season, and then they'll figure out how to work that in the playoffs. I like that answer a lot there, Kyle. Thanks, man. Appreciate it, man. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's – why? Well, how are you going to put the handcuffs, you know, on a pit bull? You know what I mean? Mm. He's just a dude, man. He's a dog. You know, let him be who he is. And you know what? The the other thing, you got, you got the band-aid on the team with Rondo, man. Like, he's going to be able to still – you know, facilitate that offense when Westbrook is trying to go and go and go. He can be the guy like, yo, whoa, whoa, whoa. Let's, let's run a set here. Let's get right. a good shot. You know, he'll kind of going to be the guy that's going to get everyone in check still, even though he, you know, it's a bunch of vets. He still, you know, probably has one of the highest IQs on the team with LeBron, you know, and they played together before. Right. And it works. So I, I think it's, yeah, right. And it worked. And I, I think it's good that some of the guys have played with each other before, you know, Dwight, Rondo, AD, LeBron, you know, and now thinking about this too, the, the young guys, like, I mean, Monk, um, Horton Tucker, even the rookie dude, you know, the rookie Austin Reeves, he's going to be tough. He's going to be very good. He's mm -hmm. from Oklahoma. Dude, he's going he's gonna to be like a very good guy off the bench. And he does a lot of stuff, like an average 18, 18 and six last year with Oklahoma. And like, he's a guy that can get, he's very athletic as a smooth jump shot, like kind of, kind of score at each level. I think he's going to be a guy that like people aren't really expecting to do well, just because you hear of all these names on the roster. But I think he's going to contribute well for them. Kind of, he's going to be another bandaid guy. where like, Oh man, like we need a, we need another, you know, kind of like three and D guy or just like a, a, a guy that can kind of do everything just pretty good. Right. He's going to be that guy, you know? So. Absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see how they shake out, man, because they're always interesting. And now with all these characters and mixed in, even the young guys, you know, Monk and Nunn, and you mentioned THTO, I think is coming into the league uh, this season a little hurt. So he might be out for a minute. Like those guys are names as well, who yeah. we all know and have seen play either at the college level, like Monk, we, you know, we haven't seen him do much in the league yet, but Nunn had a big come up and then a fall down. So it's a lot of moving parts in L.A. It's going to be incredibly interesting. Yeah, I mean, 
how can you not look forward to watching this team more so like than ever, right? Just to see how it's going to work. How's Russ and LeBron going to figure it out? Will Melo be able to shoot 40% from three again and help this team, right? Because the worst thing for me and you, I know you and I are kind of on the same page here. You're rocking Jordan right now. You love Melo. I love Melo. We have good memories in New York with Melo. He has his new, you seen his new sneakers coming out? Like we like that dude. We want him to succeed. We do. I'm not talking for everybody. There's some people who kind of hate no, him right. for some reason. Yeah, right. But, haters, haters, man. Right, haters, haters are my motivators. There, there's a world <laughs> where it doesn't look good with Melo, and that's going to suck, but like it's a possibility, right? Can he find his right role, and will it be 12 minutes off the bench, or will he be able to play 19 to 22 minutes? It's going to be real interesting to see how that all breaks down. So <clears throat> let's do it real quick. We're not going to do over-unders for every team. It's going to take too long, obviously, right? But since we're here, we're talking about the Lakers. 52 and a half. That's tied for the highest in the Western Conference with the Jazz at 52 and a half. You have a sense on the over-under there? Like, do you think they're going to be a regular season wrecker or are they going to struggle to get the win total up there? Where, where are you seeing this team end up kind of in the Western Conference? I'm going to, no, I obviously I don't want to say it because obviously I'm fans of all the, all the guys on this team, but I, I think it's going to be an under, but I think it's going to be like a, like a 50. Okay, so they're right there. Yeah, I think it's going to be right there. But like you were saying, I think it's just going to be kind of a a feel-out process as far as chemistry goes, and then they're going to hit their stride at the right right time into the playoffs, and, you know, they'll probably mess around and get like a second or third seed and go from there. Yeah, and I I do think one note on that front, because I do agree with you that they're going to end up in that top two, three-ish seed, maybe, maybe four. I think they're going to care about that, though, this year. They're going to care about a, a one through four seed because, they A, they don't want to mess around with the playing game again, and, B, they're going to want home court advantage for one series because they're, they're looking at their history. AD and LeBron's most recent history is going into a series banged up on the road against one of the best teams in the league for that season. They, they do not want to do that again. They need to be in a no. driver's seat coming into the playoffs. And that's where Russell Westbrook will help, you know, where getting you to the playoffs is huge. And then from there, LeBron and AD, if they're healthy, you know, they don't need much after that. So getting there is step one. I'll stick with you, though. Slight under. I see them getting to 50, but 53, just a touch, a touch lofty. So let's move on. And also, John Lucas Duffy, if you didn't notice, he has left. We lost J. Lou, but it's all good. We got some good takes out of him. We got some Sixers takes out of him. We're now going to run through the contenders in the West, the East contenders, and the Knicks, and kind of that middle area in the East, which is improved, but still kind of tough to read. So we'll work through that a little bit. And then we'll talk about, you know, our, I don't want to say sleepers because it's not like we expect these teams to do awesome things, but our league pass teams, the teams that we are interested in, some of the players we want to keep an eye on. That's kind of the plan for the rest of the show here. So let's talk Western Conference. Uh, the rest of the teams here at the top, I mentioned the Jazz at 52 and a half. Suns right below at 51.5, followed by the Mavericks, Warriors at 48.5, Nuggets 47, and then Clippers, Trailblazers, and Grizzlies all in the mid to low 40s, and the Pelicans. We don't really, probably not going to talk about them here. Zion, we'll just mention, going into the season a little banged up. That's obviously a tough look. That's something we have to keep an eye on moving forward with what the hell is going to happen with that franchise, with that star player, and his health and where he wants to play basketball, right? Because that's a whole different conversation where we talk about what's going on in New Orleans. So I mentioned those teams. 
I know the Suns and CP, that was kind of your crew in the West last year. You were riding for them into the finals. When you think about Jazz Suns, Mavs, Warriors, even throwing the Nuggets, is there one team that stands out to you, Kyle, that you do like their odds to be towards the top of the West and perhaps finals contenders? I like uh I like the Nuggets, man. Uh, you know, and I'm and you know, I'm always kind of uh I was I was always kind of critical, at least defensively, of Jokic. And I just think, dude, that that mix of just Jokic, Murray, you know, help hopefully he gets healthy. Um, Aaron Gordon and MPJ, like Michael Porter Jr., like that's those are four four dudes right there offensively alone and it's that that's a team I think that that has a good you know also has a good bench I just think that their team is always kind of just not not like totally dominant in the regular season they're not like I would say maybe the Jazz you know the Jazz are always dominant in the regular season and kind of kind of poop the bed in the playoffs but I, I think the Nuggets are just so steady they don't really kind of going up and down season. They're kind of just flat line and, and just get the job done. Um, but they just have so much talent. I think that's why, like, the first thing that pops out to me is they have so much talent. Um, the Suns, again, just because they have a lot of guys that are going to be back from that team from last year. And they, uh, you know, they got so much experience in the finals, so you just can't really count them out. So those are probably the two teams that I can think about that you know, are going to give – Give a run for the money in the West, for sure. You know. You know I love that you just brought up the Nuggets. They're they're my guys. They've been my guys for a minute. Jokic has been a ride or die for me for a while. And I love that because it's not really predicting about just this regular season, right? Because that win total number is probably a little bit tricky, right? It's a little bit harder to make a true opinion on that with what we know about uh, Jamal Murray's injury and him not being ready for the regular season start. They do have Monty Morris, who's one of the best backups in the league, who proved it into last year that he could handle the starting uh, the starting role for a little bit. Now, I have a question. Who's this guy? He kind of went off a little bit in the preseason. I don't know if you saw it. His, I think his last name is Highland. I'm seeing here Nashawn Highland. Do they call him Bones Highland? Are you familiar with this guy? No, unfortunately, I'm not. Dude, I'm looking I, at him right now. I was not familiar with this guy. Either. Oh, oh, okay. All right. So, in the draft, I remember they were saying in the draft that this dude was like a sneaky score. Like, yes. he was kind of like a guy that did everything for VCU last year. And um, I do remember in the draft process them saying, like, this is a guy that, you know, kind of was – everyone knew was going to fall down in the draft, but was going to be one of those guys that was going to make a big impact. And, um, you know, think about that. Another, another guy off the bench that can get buckets for, for the Nuggets now, you know, and, and specifically a guard, a long athletic guard. You know, that, I, I think that's, that's so crucial for them, obviously knowing that Murray sometimes is not always healthy. And now you have Morris that has kind of developed into a good guard that is reliable. And now you have a guy that's going to back up Morris or that can go to the two guard as well. I think it's just... They're 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 really deep, and I think that's why I really like the team. They're really deep, and they're and they're pretty young with some experience. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be challenging, you know, if night in and night out to 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 play with the Nuggets, man. 
Yeah, and I was proud of how they kind of performed without Murray into the playoffs. First, when he got hurt in the season, they kept grinding and kept winning. Probably why Jokic won the MVP alongside, you know, some injury help with LeBron and Embiid getting banged up. But that team competed till they were out, man. They really did. They grinded it, and they they earned the respect. And the one thing I love about Nikola Jokic is I think he was might have he might have been the least excited MVP ever. He was almost like, yeah, this is nice, but that's not why I play basketball for. You know, it's like. Wow, this guy cares so much, and he's one of the bigger complainers in the league too, and maybe that's a bad way of showing that you care, but you can just watch this dude and how red he gets on the court and his lumbering-ass body all around the court, throwing the craziest passes, hitting crazy shots, just being an incredible basketball player, and it's for me, it's impossible not to root for the guy and not care about what he's doing night in, night out, and then hearing him talk about how he cares about winning a championship. And that's what he wants. And pushing this team in that direction, I'm with you, man. The Nuggets are incre- incredibly entertaining and fun to watch. The 47.5 is a tough number, but I kind of like them. It's like, oh, man, this is one of those things where you think Vegas just kind of nails it, right? Because are they going to be – let me ask you this. Not about the 47.5. Are they a top four seed this year? Yes. Yes. So you think in any order the Jazz, Lakers – you know, is it the Suns and Nuggets in the top four? You think maybe the Nuggets can still ed- edge out the Warriors and Mavericks? I think so. I think it'll be that four at the top. You know, I, I it's uh, you know, they're, they're going to be a team that's that's just going to be tough night in and night out to uh, to beat. And it, even though the even though the West is so tough, and you know, I kind of good thing Duff isn't here because you know. It's, just going to talk some crap about the Mavs real quick. <laughs> Even though there's so it's just such high expectations for them all the time, somehow they always just underperform. And I, I don't think it's always Lucas' fault either. I think it's just collectively they just don't always do what they're supposed to do in the uh, in the playoffs. And I, I think it's I think that's one of the reasons why they're not going to you know they're going to be a low seed again, possibly in a play in. And they're going to be matched up with a higher seed, and they're going to have to kind of climb up a, a you know big hill to to get over to the second round. Yeah, they just snuck into the sixth seed, if I remember correctly, last year, and they're going to be fighting. You know, Vegas as their number three or four team in the West, but it's not going to be that easy. It never is, right? And you t- think about the Suns. We didn't talk about their specifics, but something I think about with them going into this regular season is they got over a hump that was so important last year that now everybody who's not named Chris Paul on that team believes that they're a winning team and believes they should win way more than they sh- they're going to lose. Right. And that little switch up in demeanor and confidence is going to, you know, affect this franchise for, for years moving forward, perhaps beyond Chris Paul's time as a top tier player. Right. So even if Chris Paul misses a few weeks this year, which is possible with his age, right. I trust that roster to believe in themselves to keep pushing forward. It's kind of like what Murray and Jokic established there in Denver they established a winning culture that even when Murray went out, everybody around it was like, all right, we're good. We're still going to win more than we're not than we're not going to win. And with the Mavericks, they're not there yet. They're so Luka-dependent. They're not incredibly deep. You think about that team, and who do you like on that team? Like, who do you really like on the Mavericks after Luka Doncic? I'll read you some names, and you can tell me who maybe sticks out to you as somebody that you want to, you know, hang your hat on, that you want to bet on as a winning player for a full season. We got Tim Hardaway, Dorian Finney-Smith, Kristaps Porzingis, Powell, and Maxi Kleba. They just add in Reggie Bullock, 
Jalen Brunson, Trey Burke, Josh Green, and one and only Frank Nilakina. So of all those people, Kyle, do, do you get excited uh, outside of Frankie Smokes, of course, do you get excited for any of those players? Like Timmy, Timmy Hardaway, I'll, I'll let you go. I'll let you go before I start editorializing. That's, that's, that, hey, that's the only name that I, that I heard. And I was like, all right, you know, he had a good season last year. You know, he shot well from three, filled it up, you know, kind of each level. But that's it. I mean, that's, that, and that's what I'm, and I guess that's what I was getting at, Pete. There, there aren't any, any players on that team that makes me nervous besides Luca, really, and besides Hardaway. You know, Hardaway doesn't really make me that nervous. Like he's just a, he's a good player. He's a very good player, but he's not, he's not someone where the game plan after Luca is going to be far off. It's going to be really far off. It's not going to be the same at all. He really plays off of Luca and kind of. You know, plays plays roles where he's he's getting shots up. He's just a, a kind of a three point guy, but can you know he can get some basket and some pull ups here and there. But he's not a oh man, he might give us thirty tonight. Right, that's Luca, and that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, I love how Tim just, Tim has yeah. learned how to have like that unconscious trigger with his jump shot. Like he lets it fly and he attacks the rim, and he's a good scorer, man. Like he deserves credit. He's but, very confident. But when it kind of ends there. It's tough. Jalen Brunson had a nice season, but he's not going to be trusted to be, you know, some extraordinary player. Kristaps has these like little stretches on the Mavs where he's good for like three weeks and then he's terrible and then he's hurt and then it, you can't trust it for a season. It's going to be a grind. And that may be why Luke is an MVP favorite again, because they might be a five seed or a four seed and it might very well be because he averages 30, 10 and nine, you know, and that's the, the catch 22 is this guy is so off the charts. Amazing right now that they're going to be this good, but also they have a ceiling because of everybody else. And it's, it's one of those catch 22s thinking about their prospects going into the season. Now, quick, quick segue for you. Somebody who I think can have a Tim Hardaway level impact. And that's a compliment by the way, because the name I'm about to say in this Western conference, I think he's due for a big season and to be a really big player on this team. And that is none other than Jordan Poole on the Warriors. Kyle, I think he's about to take a leap from a sh- like a let it fly, you know, heat check microwave type scorer to a legit 18 point a game guy and be for now a bridge to Clay Thompson and when Clay Thompson comes back a true weapon off the bench, six man of the year level weapon in Jordan Poole. What do you think about that take? Jordan Poole can get to it, man. I'll say that. When he was at Michigan, I remember watching some Michigan games. I'm like, whoa. Like, he, whenever he wanted to score, he can go score. And I saw some of the clips of him in the preseason so far and him just, like, working dudes out on the wing. And I was like, oh, like, those are, those are NBA moves. Like, he is 100% ready to play. Like, you know, some dudes in the precinct, oh, a little nervous. Like, nah, man, he's confident. And, you know, 100%, if you want to be on the Warriors, you better play with some confidence because they obviously let it fly and they don't care. They're unconscious. And he fits in perfectly with them because you can tell he plays the basketball game with a lot of confidence. And if you play with Steph, you play with Draymond, you play with Clay, they're going to be guys that are going to get each other easy looks 
And he's, you know, I'm sure he's already been working with them in the offseason. I'm sure he's learning a lot. But for for him as a rookie, I would if I'm if I'm I'll say this. If I'm Andrew Wiggins, I'm very concerned. Because my minutes are gonna be slowly, slowly going down. You know what I mean? Like I I, I am not I'm not happy that Jordan Poole got drafted. I'll say that. And that he showed up. Because, you know, when he first got there, it was like, ah, this guy's whatever. Like, he's just on this bad Warriors team. He gets shots because we all suck. And then all of a sudden last year, they're making a playoff push, and he's like their second or third most important player. It's like, oh, my God, Jordan Poole? Like, wait, oh, he's not just like a fun sharpshooter? Like, oh, sharpshooter was even a strong word for him at that point. He's not just like a fun off-the-bench chucker. Oh, he can actually get it consistently. And now, like you said, in the preseason and at the end of last year, man, I love what I saw out of him. And when they needed buckets and Steph was getting quadruple teamed, Jordan Poole was the man that they trusted with the ball. So I expect some nice numbers out of Jordan Poole. And, of course, we're talking Warriors. You can't forget about the man. When you look at Modi Moses, Modi Moses, 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 what he did in college. (laughs) <laughs> Come on, Kendrick. Come on, Kendrick. <laughs> yeah, that... bro. I was watching that live, and I was like, "Bro, what? <laughs> like, what is wrong with him?" It was almost, it was almost like Kendrick had a had a bad buffer, like just Ken... started stuttering. I was like, "Oh man!" Like, Kendrick dang, had a like, yo, you ever seen that video? <laughs> ever seen ever seen the video of the little kiddies getting interviewed? And he's like, well, I was, yes. you know, it, when I was, in, you know, I was in, that was like, bro, get this man some bro. milk. Like, dang. Oh, my God. <laughs> Is he good? Like, yeah, I got to make a button out of that because oh that, that God, makes me bro. laugh. But the other day, I was just like, it was in the morning. I don't know. It was like a Sunday morning. It was 9 o'clock. And I'm walking through the kitchen, like, making coffee. I'm just like, Moda Moose, Moose. I think I sent you a Snapchat of it, actually. <laughs> yes, I yeah, he sent me a snap. I couldn't even stop. It was stuck in my head. I don't know why I woke oh up at God, like dude. nine in the morning. I was most motive, 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 and I couldn't stop. It makes me laugh. And then Richard Jefferson just loves pouring it on Kendrick Perkins. Dude, yo, dude. Yes, exactly, bro. Cause everyone, everyone is, is watching him just, just totally throw up this word, you know, this name. And everyone's just like looking back into the screen, like, Oh, is he good? Like, is his Wi-Fi messed up? I love the uh, the the other announcer. I don't know who it was. It sounds like oh, was it like Reese Davis or something like that? Whoever does the draft yeah. with them finally was just like uh, he like had enough. He's like Moses Moody. <laughs> like yes, yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. It was Reese Davis. Yep. He was like, come on, man, come on. I know you got it. Oh my god! Uh, shout out to Ken- to Kendrick Perkins though because it's it's impossible to try and talk about sixty prospects and no, have something useful man. to say about all of them and on live tv he did pretty good yeah he gets a lot of crap for being kendrick perkins and saying weird stuff sometimes but shout out to kendrick man that's that's great yeah that, man yeah that, that draft that was, night, that he, he did a, he did a good job man i, I can't can't complain it was he's just not even like that a was college just one hoops highlight guy, obviously you know? everyone remembers now yeah you know he did a good job exactly and he's not even like a college hoops guy where like where jay billis is watching these dudes all year right and his draft stakes are still terrible probably but yeah is it Jay Bills is big board. You don't pay attention to that because it's all like yeah, never. You, know, you got Tyler Hansbrough up in there. Um, yeah. All right, let's let's get back on track here for a second. Uh, anyone else in the West? I'll give you three teams. If one of these teams were to make that push into the top four, it's a little aggressive, but let's just go with it. 
Clippers, Trailblazers, and Grizzlies. They're the other three expected by over-under to be above 500. Clippers banged up with Kawhi for now, maybe all year. Portland is Portland. We're not sure exactly what their ceiling is. And Memphis on the come-up, but what's their true ceiling? One of those three teams make a massive leap to the four seed. Who is it? I would say the Clippers, just based on talent alone and continuity after last year, you know, after having Ty Lue for a year. And I'm sure, you know, just learning the system and everything and trying to trying to get adjusted to to what he expects, the roles from everyone. Sure is a challenge, but I would um I would definitely say it was just the Clippers, just based on on paper, roster alone, veterans, guys that can get buckets, guys that play defense that are that play pretty hard. I would go with them just just because other two are just, you know, just not there, man. It, it stinks because Dame is obviously just legit, man. He's one of the best, probably him and Steph, probably the best point guards in the league. And I think it's just, it stinks because you, you want to want to see more players stay in the places where they're drafted with, with Giannis this year, which is awesome. And, uh, you know, a guy like Luca might be in the situation soon too, but but Dame, it feels like he just needs to be in a different situation, man. Like I, I think it's just he's just almost too big for the franchise, and they don't not as aggressive, I think, as they should be to to really get the most out of his career right now. You know, he's he's pretty much in his prime right now, right? Or at least heading towards it if he's getting better, for all we know. Yeah, and they don't really have a lot of you know kind of support for him outside of CJ and you know Jurkic is always hurt so just yeah I feel bad for him yeah it's tough because also the Clippers are hurt Kawhi's gonna be out for we don't know how long yet perhaps a while yeah like is Reggie Jackson gonna be able to be playoff Reggie Jackson all year like for a whole season if he is this Clippers team might be damn good if he can't be then you're asking Paul George a whole whole lot right so I don't know I think the one thing for Portland that I like in the sense of them taking a nice leap ahead of their projections is the change of coach, the change of scenery there. You know, Terry Stotts has been a really, really good coach for a long time, but Chauncey Billups is a guy who I've wanted to see get a stab at it, either as a GM or a head coach. I kind of was interested in him in either facet of uh, running a franchise, and I'm excited for what he can do as that dude leading the charge because everything I've heard that man say sounds smart. It sounds like he... Hey is grounded, but also has good expectations, like high expectations, right? Like he can balance out understanding like the day-to-day grind and also reach for the stars. Like he's done it. He's been that dude. He's been, you know, one of the best players on a championship team. And then also has been able to put that into words beautifully on live TV. Like obviously it's TV. It's not the same, but we don't have much else to assess, right? We don't watch him watch and break down film. We don't have the insight. The best thing we have to look at somebody like him is what the work he's done on TV. And out of anybody who I've ever seen do the job, I've been waiting for Chauncey to get a go at it. And he's a, a lovable figure in the NBA for a long time. And him and Dame pairing up and figuring this thing out could be a, a match made in heaven, and that's exciting to me. In regards to the Grizzlies, real quick, before we skip on to the Eastern Conference here, John Morant now has a chance to take the leap we really expected last year, right? And I heard uh, Chris Vernon, who's obviously a Memphis Grizzly guy, he was talking about watching that John Morant thing up close and personal. And he was talking about LaMelo Ball. He was making the, the comparison. He was like, year one was so great. He burst on the scene. 
nobody saw that level of success coming for John Morant. And then year two, everybody goes, yo, the John Morant leap is going to be real. He's going to be an all-star maybe. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. Grizzlies are going to be even better. And it was tougher because every opponent knew John Morant had the whole bag and more. So they were focusing in on him and making Dylan Brooks beat them and making other players on that team step up every single night. Now into year three, has John Morant learned to balance things out and you know facilitate even more so? I don't think this is the most talented roster in the team, but year in, year out, the Grizzlies are grinding. It's what they do. And Desmond Gain, Bain gets a year better. Jaron Jackson coming into camp healthy. Brandon Clark a year better. Tillman was a beast last year. Kyle Anderson, shout out Kyle Anderson from New Jersey, is was there... one of the best bench players in the league last year. Like, this team is solid throughout. And if Ja can be that dude even more so than he was, why can't they take a leap? So, uh, Ja Morant to you, Kyle, is this his first all-star season, or do you think the West is still too deep with guards? No, nah, man, I, I hope he is an all-star, and, and he's just – He's a different cat, man. I, I think he's slowly starting to get a jump or two, which I think has kind of held him back a little bit from really being like in that elite, elite category in the NBA. Because I think he's still a dude. Um, but I think if he can get more consistent with his jump shot, he's already a very aggressive attack in the rim. So I think this is just a good opportunity for him to, I mean, it, it's is a year four for him now. That'll be year four. Three. Three? Yeah, okay. It feels, so right? I mean, it feels like four. He's accomplished so much in two years. Yeah, man. It's crazy, dude. Like I, I just think this is this is the year I think he's got to take that leap where you know he, he's a really good point guard. I think this is the year he's gotta really just take it over with, with his that's the only thing I think that's holding back is just having a consistent jumper. Absolutely. I'm with you. And it's gonna be hella exciting to watch them go at it again. The Grizzlies are always fun, uh fun team to and, yo, get and, behind. Hey, one thing about, about Chauncey, we were talking about Chauncey Billups, man. I was listening to the Woj pod like last from last week, mm-hmm. and he was on. And one of the things that you don't really hear about coaches saying a lot is uh relationships. Mm. And he was like, he's like, yo, man, like that's like probably one of the most important things that I think, you know, just as a coach is just having a good relationship with the guys, like actually getting to know them. And so I can be the one to push them so I can, you know, um, know, so I do know which, which buttons to push. And he kind of, kind of broke it down to where he essentially said, I've been every guy on a team. I've been the rookie. I've been the stud. I've been, you know, the main guy. I've been the veteran that's getting 20 minutes a game. And I've been the veteran that's getting no minutes on the, on the team. So he was kind of just saying, I've, I've been able to relate to everyone. And I totally understand where every guy is coming from. So I know the approach that each guy on the team needs to take, as opposed to someone that was a college coach or someone that was uh, just a, you know, no disrespect to Eric Spolster, but, you know, a guy that was a video guy and right. kind of worked his way up the ranks. Bill has actually done this before. And I, I think that's, that, that shows a lot, man. If there's a, a guy that's, that's telling you what you need to do in the locker room as a head coach and players are looking at him like, dude, you have no idea what I'm going through right now because you actually don't, that's not good. 
and it's it might be a negative if you can't kind of connect with them in a certain way. I think Billups is a guy that will probably be able to do that just because of his own experience. Right, and that's a great point. And talking about Spolstra, it took until LeBron and the big three kind of gave him the, the tip of the cat. It was like, nah, this guy's good, right? Like, this guy's good. And then everybody was like, oh, yeah, Spolstra's a good coach. Like, he needed that extra, mm-hmm. extra to be proven. Chauncey walks into day one as a respected figure in front of that entire team. And that's that's awesome. And that was a great sentiment by you. Uh, even I, I haven't even heard that episode. And it makes me like Chauncey even more. Like, that's just, right? Like, everything this guy does, it's Man, like, bro. he just seems like he has it together. And uh, I look I look forward to seeing what they can do there uh, with a little change of scenery with the head coach. So, let's move on to the Eastern Conference here now. Subway Sports Talk. Let's regroup for a second here. We're almost hitting up to an hour on the clock. Pete Kennedy, Kyle Anderson on Subway Sports Talk. We'll be here all week, all season. We got NFL going on, too. It's a crazy time in sports. The ALCS, NLCS, the World Series coming up. I can't even wrap my head around all of the things we got going on. It's wild, but that's why I'm so excited to just focus in on this episode and talk basketball right here with Kyle. Don't forget to hit us on Twitter, at Subway Sports Talk, Instagram, TikTok, the whole nine. But let's talk Eastern Conference, right? Let's talk about the top tier of the Eastern Conference and what can become, in my opinion, a really awesome and exciting rivalry this season. It already had a ton of juice last year. It had more juice in the playoffs because of the series they played against one another and the couple of toenails Kevin Durant had over the line. But of course I'm talking about the Nets and Bucks. These two teams are projected uh, based off over-unders to be the best two teams in the league. Nets at 56.5, Bucks at 54.5. The Bucks are the defending champs. A lot of people still give Kevin Durant the belt in regards to best player in the league, but more people are saying Giannis. So, Kyle, I am so excited to watch both of these teams be great again. Obviously, Kyrie, whatever aside, a lot of us, I'm saying us because I kind of believe this, think the Nets would have beat them without Kyrie if James Harden was just healthy. So going into the season, you got the defending champ and a juggernaut, according to many. What, what are you most excited about? with these two teams going into the East? And do you think they're they're the two best teams in the entire league? Uh, yeah. They're the two best teams in the entire league. Mm. And I think the Lakers are in third. Um, those two teams are just... just You know what? And, and not only are they uh, younger and have, say, I would say probably more talent, it's just that they have continuity. They're they're a team that's pretty much very similar to what last year's team was. And um just seeing these teams battle, you know, I think I think tomorrow night is gonna be awesome. But just seeing two freaks essentially play basketball against each other with Giannis and KD, two guys that are both about seven feet tall and with skills of guards. I think is outside of the whole Eastern Conference and what does our roster look like? Just a, a ridiculous for basketball, the sport of basketball. How far the sport has come to see now two two seven foot guys now playing essentially guard positions, and how far the the game has just like come from just 
you know, those, if you see those black and white videos and obviously no disrespect to like legends, but the guys are literally driven with one hand. Don't use a left hand ever. Right. They go to shoot a jump shot and the guy stands there for three seconds and then shoots it into like almost like a peach basket. Like I think <laughs> that's like, obviously it, it, it had to start at a point like that for it to get to where it is now, but just to see where the sport is now compared to probably even when we played basketball, those two guys would be in the post predominantly and never would leave the block. And now these are the guys that are bringing up the ball. I think it's just, it's just really cool. Absolutely. And getting to watch them head to head on the same court is wild. Like Giannis is perhaps the only guy in the world who can block that Kevin Durant little pull up fader from the elbow. And he did that in a game last year. And you're like, Oh my God, you're allowed to block that shot. Like that's physically possible to block Kevin Durant on that, right? Like, and then you see Kevin Durant with PJ Tucker pulling his shorts down, and Giannis trying to help help off uh, his guy and try to come in and uh, disrupt the shot, and he hits a thirty footer, and it's just like, what? What is this? Like, this is insane. Like, people like to say this line a lot about football, basketball, baseball. Like, oh, that is a video game level, blah blah blah, right? Like, that's a video game level hit or whatever. And then there's some things where I watch in real life. I'm like, honestly, I know video games are insane right now and the graphics are epic and whatnot. You can't recreate that. What just happened in real life is not to be recreated even by a video game. And that's the type of stuff that KD and Giannis do on a regular basis. Like, it's it's just nuts. And now talking about the more specifics of, like, who their teams are, right? We talked about having Kyrie or not having Kyrie. This team is still top tier, right? Like Vegas knows Kyrie may not be there and they're still projecting them to be, you know, the highest win total in the league. So you think about LaMarcus Aldridge's comeback. They bring in Paul Millsap. Maybe that's tough for Nick Claxton to keep getting minutes, but they got depth now that they didn't have last year. They got Patty Mills off way, uh, off a uh, free agency. They bring in Cam Thomas, who I believe you're pretty high on, right? So the Brooklyn Nets are now not just Kevin Durant like they were in the playoffs. They have a healthy James Harden coming in. They don't have Kyrie, but that's okay. They have this guy, Cam Thomas, to to help out there. What makes them, when you watch them at the peak of their powers, more so than just KD, is there anything else that makes them special in your opinion? The acquisition of Patty Mills. I think Patty Mills is going to be a huge, huge difference maker for them. And just another guy that can bring the ball up, a guy that can come off the bench, a guy that can get his own shot, a guy that can create for others. Having just another guy like that on your team is going to be big time. And now a guy like Harden doesn't have to play for, you know, I'm not saying that Patty Mills is James Harden, but what I'm saying is is that his his production as far as getting other guys involved and him getting his own shot is going to be crucial for their team. Harden doesn't – they don't need to rely on – their big three if Patty Mills is out there. He's run a show with way less down in San Antonio before. Facts. <laughs> you know, San Antonio. Like, now he has a team. He's going to be out there, say, with a second unit, and he's going to have all-stars still with his group. You know, I'm sure Aldridge will be with him. Blake Griffin could be with him. Um, Millsap could be with him. Those are, you know, three or four big names right there that he's going to be able to still work with. And, like... This is such a great opportunity for Cam Thomas 
as a rookie to learn from these guys to get so much confidence. So, you know, the same confidence we were talking about that with Jordan Poole. Cam Thomas is going to have, I'm sure he's going to have a green light when he gets out there with the second unit. And he's going to be open. <laughs> he's going to be wide right, open dude, if he's out there with the Dude, going to be guys. wide open, man. He's yeah. going to be able to go. And, you know, when he was at LSU, he's taken like 20, 30 shots because he probably had to because, you know. Contested step backs. It, like. Yeah, man, you, you don't you don't have to help off. You know, I'm sorry. You're, you're able to help off when the guy in the post is averaging five points and, you know, your team's 20 and 10. This team is freaking loaded. He's going to have a lot of open looks. And as as the season goes on, he's going to be so much more confident. So I think those two guys were just crazy because you're like, dude, like they have a lot of guards. They already have Harden and Kyrie. And do they do they get James back? Mike James back? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, no, I don't think he technically not on. I don't think he's not on the roster right now. He's not on the depth okay. chart that I'm looking at. At least uh, they did bring in Javon he's, Carter though. Okay. So okay. He's, so. Mike James you know I mean? and Jace like, as a talent. Is, yeah, but you know what I mean? Like, this is this is a pretty deep group as far as... It's crazy how deep they are, actually. Buckets. It's, like, not fair. They got James Johnson yeah. in the mix. Like, they got so many dudes who can play NBA minutes. It's it's not yeah. right. I Like, the fact that they put this roster together is kind of like... This is insane, man. It, I, it's this, insane. This is why I understand people who hate the Nets, because it's like, damn, how did they get so good? Like, they're even deep. Out of nowhere. They got KD. I'm sorry. They got LaMarcus Aldridge. They got Blake Griffin. They got Millsap, James Johnson, Nick Claxton. Like, Ben Bree can play minutes off the bench. Like, they have so many dudes who can play. And now, real quick, let me get back on track here, because I want to ask you about Cam Thomas. I'm starting to get a little nervous about my take because when I did my NBA draft stuff, I was like, I don't really like Cam Thomas very much because I felt like he didn't look to pass at all. He's a small guard Mm -hmm. who's a straight shooter and in the league that projects to be a guy who gets points and doesn't help his team, right? And I think that might be true on 90% of teams. Like, if he goes to a bad team and he ends up scoring 20 points, it's one of those guys who you say, hey, what was that really worth, though? Right, like, what was Cam Thomas's 19 points per game worth on the Oklahoma City Thunder, on the Orlando Magic? What, 20 wins over the course of 82 games? But right. in this one particular case, where we're watching a guy like Joe Harris, who is now looked at, well, he is one of the best shooters in the league, but get open look after open look. Like Cam Thomas is that level shooter as a young man. Like he's not Joe Harris yet. Like he's not Patty Mills yet because he hasn't done it. But he's that level talent. This is the the spot for him. So when I saw him go to the Nets, I went, "Damn, my take might be trashed quick." When he's averaging, <laughs> he's averaging a meaningful twelve or a meaningful nine. Like he could average a meaningful yeah. nine points per game. He's he's literally the perfect fit for them. He's he's a guy that's literally going to come off the bench and be a mini J.R. Smith. He's going to be a bad shot maker. That's what he's going to be. He's going to be a bad shot maker, and he's going to be the spark that they're going to need off the bench where it's not, all right, we have a total drop-off because KD and Harden are not on the floor. Who's going to be that guy that we're just like, all right, hey, go ISO. We need a bucket real quick. Who can get a bucket just on his own? It's going to be Cam Thomas. He's going to be like, yo, dude, just get out of the way. I got you. It's not going to be Blake Griffin. That's going to, you know, probably going to need to get into a pick-and-roll situation. Not going to be Millsap because he's probably going to, same thing, in a pick-and-roll situation or pick-and-pop. Won't be Aldridge because, you know, for the most part, he's going to be at least just working from the block and probably won't be as as productive, obviously, in years past. But Cam Thomas is going to be a, dude, clear out, get the hell out of the way, 
you know, yo, dude, and, and if you're Steve Nash, yo, when you're with the second unit, play like you're, you know, there's going to be times you're going to need to play like you're at LSU, dude. Like, go get a bucket. Be aggressive. Right. You know what I mean? We'll, we'll live with it. And also learn how to throw a lob to Nick Claxton. Like, and then yes. you're, and then you're really that's, cooking. Then you're really dude, cooking. That's, that's another, that's another piece, man. Like, oh my God, like you have Claxton come off the bench and that was your, you know, your starter where on, on probably 75 to 80% of these teams in the league right now would probably be a six man or a starter for any other team. It, right. The Nets are just, just happen to have, you know, three, four, five Hall of Famers on their team. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, Ridiculous. man. Yeah, and you know one thing on the Nets before we go to the Bucks quickly, Kevin Durant and James Harden. Even though James Harden was wobbling around in the playoffs, like they're not going to play forty minutes a game in the regular season. They can't. Right? It's not sustainable. It's not smart. It's not okay for their health for long term. Right? So Cam's going to get his. There's going to be moments, many moments where we can see Cam Thomas, Patty Mills, Joe Harris, Blake Griffin, who's a playmaker. And, you know, Paul Millsap or Marcus Aldridge who can stretch the floor or James Johnson, they go small, all guys who can stretch the floor. And even that bench unit can become a bench mob and put up buckets on people and grind. So it's going to be, it's going to be damn fun to watch the Nets again. I can't freaking wait. You're me tough, man. Yeah. Um, as a, as a Knicks fan, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it. Yeah, I know. It's, it's one of those things, right? <laughs> it's like, uh, damn. So let's talk about the Bucks then and talk about what they're doing. They're kind of bringing back the same show. No PJ Tucker back in uh in Milwaukee, which I don't know. I think not that it was smoke and mirrors. That's rude to what he did in the playoffs, but his production was not equal to the hype he was getting. Right, he was just grinding his ass off. We know what PJ Tucker does. I don't think they're going to miss him very much in the regular season, at least, especially because they're still deep. They'll get Dante back at some point. You know, they bring back uh, Bobby Portis. They bring in Grayson Allen, who's a good shooter, and this team is just still really damn good, right? Like, their big three, Drew Holiday, Middleton, and Giannis, they're cooking. Like, anything to say about them, or you think it's more of the same of being great? I think they're still going to be, you know, really good. I guess this is more individually. I think I've, I've been waiting to talk about this all night. Yo. Bring it. Giannis got a pull-up, bro. If if this is if this is not smoke and mirrors, if this preseason stuff is legit, if Giannis has a pull-up, the league is in big trouble, very big trouble. Like what I saw in some of these clips, you know, they keep putting on a house of highlights and they're like, yo, you know, the caption's like, yo, Giannis got a jumper. And it's like the, the eyes emoji. Listen, if he shoots like this off the bounce and he's, and he's shooting as smooth as he is from three, it's going to be a long season for some of these teams, man. Cause he's going to be literally unguardable. Yeah. Literally unguardable. And something that I said after the finals last year about Giannis too, I think you'll agree with this even more so. That that wrench on his back is gone. He got it off. There's oh, a, oh, he's he's playing scot free. Lucy yep. Goosey, how you doing? It doesn't matter if Dude. he is uh missing. He doesn't he he proved it. He airballs free throws in the biggest games of the year and says, I don't care. I'm still gonna get to the line again. And I'm going to airball one, and I'll make the next one. Whatever. Let's ride. Right? So now he's going into this season with that attitude times 10 with the ring on his finger. He can go in and take those jumpers and learn how and when to take those jumpers. And then in the playoffs can be a next-level Giannis, like an even better version of what we just saw, which is insane to even wrap your head around, that he could be better than that. But he has now every opportunity 
to fail in some of those aspects, which he was already not afraid to do. But now he has a leash to keep doing it, right? Like last year when he was missing all these shots, like, yo, that's the best thing we want. We want, if you're the opponent, right? You want Giannis to shoot that shot because that's given us an advantage. Now he misses that, whatever. We're going to win 50 games. We're going to be in the playoffs. And I'm going to I'm gonna do it on you in many different ways now. Like, it can be yep. scary if he actually starts connecting on some of them. He doesn't even have to shoot five a game. But if he's now 35% on three a game, watch the hell out. That, that same mentality you were talking about was exactly what I was thinking when I went, you know, when I was seeing some, you know, some of these pull-ups and these jumpers he was taking. I was like, oh, he's playing with confidence. Like he's he's not shooting that like thinking it like it's like almost like robotic or like he's like hitching almost. He just just going right up. And I was like, oh man. And you know he's the type That's, of dude that is not good. Like there are dudes in the league who every single year they come back with something else, right? Like like Harden. Yep. Harden is a guy who you know people knock his work ethic, which I think is just like it's just wrong, right? Because he comes back with new things in his game every year. Since Oklahoma City, he's been adding more and more and more and more to his game. R.J. Barrett is a guy who I tout all the time. For every year, he's come with something else, and we expect him to do so again this year. We'll talk about him in a minute. Giannis is another guy who puts in the work, and he comes back with more every year. And if this is the more, this might be the pinnacle. This might be the moment where he goes from the Greek freak, top whatever player all time, to holy hell, he might end up cracking the top 10 all time because he's on that path now. This is, is it's crazy, man. I was just talking about this with two of my buddies, um, Keith and Andrew, and I was like, "Yo, man, isn't it crazy how like you can kind of tell which players put in time in the off season? It's it's glaringly obvious, you know. If a guy comes in, just like I mean, shoot, I mean, obviously we were just talking about him, but Giannis, like he's shooting out with confidence, man. He put in work with that compared to what his jumper used to look like, and then you kind of revert back to some guys that you're like yo my man still can't hit free throws or yo my man still hasn't gotten a jump shot yet yo my man still can't go right like yeah dude like it's just uh it's very you can kind of tell who really eats sleeps and breathes basketball and who's just like man i'm just getting this check and it's sad man because some of these dudes have so much talent but they just don't really commit themselves to to you know wanting to be great or just putting time into to really affect their team in a positive way. And ironically, or maybe not ironically, it's oftentimes not the guys who are posting all their workout videos on Instagram, right? Like you don't right. see workout videos from Steph Curry very often. You know, but yeah. every year he seems to get he gets better. Right. You don't see Giannis posting stuff. You didn't see a new video of Lonzo Ball working on that new jump shot every day. And then he comes back last year with a clean-looking jumper, shooting a high clip at a high volume. And you say, well, Lonzo cares about basketball. Lonzo ain't about the big baller brand, BS, whatever LeVar's doing. He's about the work. And it pr- it's proven now, right? And those guys are, like you said, it's glaring to see who those teams really are and those players really are. So let's talk about more of them, right? Let's go on to the rest of the Eastern Conference because there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here. I think Trey Young is one of those guys, and we're going to talk about him too. The rest of the East, we're going to skip the Sixers. We, we know what the Sixers are, kind of, because we don't know Simmons, but we're not going to talk about it. Tobias Harris, good enough, whatever. Embiid's awesome. Right, we got it. Check. Right, let's move on past the Sixers. We don't need to talk about it. The Miami Heat, 48.5. Hawks, 47.5. Pacers and Bulls at 
and the Knicks at 41 and a half, right? I think, personally, the Hawks are the best out of that bunch. Oh, I didn't say the Celtics either. Where are the Celtics at? 45 and a half. I think the Hawks are the best out of the bunch. They just had the playoff run. When you think about the Hawks now, Kyle, do you think that they build on that? Or do you think there's some regression back to the mean that they had that hot uh, run after McMillan took over? Where do you see them going now? Because their roster's in theory better, but so is the East, right? So, Trey Young, the Hawks, what's their new ceiling for you? I think they're. I think they might be back in the finals again, you know, depending on what kind of seed they get, you know, back to the conference finals. You know, it's... It's um, it's it's different when you're when you're playing for a coach earlier in the year, and they take him out in the middle of the season, and they replace the guy, and you kind of have to almost like learn a new system on the fly. If these guys can take that system that they just learned, and now they have an off season with him, and they come into preseason, and everyone kind of and like knows and uh, is adjusted to their role, knows what what's expected of them. I think now instead of starting, let's say on day one or chapter one, now you're on chapter five. All right, hey, this is why we do this. This is, you know, we're doing this for this specific reason. All right, hey, here's a wrinkle to that play that we used to do last year that everyone has film on now. Hey, here's a little, you know, a little snippet that I found on defense on rotations that, hey, we're gonna we're gonna put this in, you know, in the preseason that unfortunately we couldn't do last year. If they can successfully successfully do that, I think they're going to be even better just because they're all going to be on the same page. And now, like I said, instead of being on chapter one of like the basic system of McMillan's offense and defense, all right, hey, now we are on chapter five and now we can build on everything, all of our experiences, all of our good and bad from our film. All right, hey, here are some wrinkles that we can do off of that because it's going to be successful again this year, you know, with Trey and all these guys coming back. Yeah, their roster is just too too young and too talented and too hungry to, I think, take a step back. I really got faith in them to really take that next step. I uh, I tend to agree, and I've talked to a lot of Knicks fans over the past week or so, trying to get a feel for where Knicks fans are at. And it's always interesting to me, you know, us being in the New York market, you and I are Knicks fans. We know a ton of Knicks fans. We also know a bunch of NBA fans who don't care about the Knicks like that, right? And they tend to be the ones who try to tell us, and not me and you specifically, but Knicks fans in general, like, hey, I think you guys are a little crazy right now. I think you're a little bit ahead of yourselves. And it's a bad thing to hear as a Knicks fan, but I think the Hawks are a better team. It's not a fluke that they beat their ass last year in the playoffs. And one person who wasn't even fully there in the playoffs last year because he got banged up is DeAndre Hunter. And I think when you talk leaps and you talk about guys who put in the work and get better every year, he should be towards the top of that list amongst young players who haven't been, you know, in the spotlight. Like DeAndre Hunter hasn't been talked about as like um, a top-tier level player, and he's not quite there yet, right? But what do you think the ceiling could be for DeAndre Hunter? Because I look at a guy who, before he got hurt last year, was arguably the most important player on this team. Now, obviously, Trey is always the guy driving the ship, steering the ship. But Hunter might be the key to unlock them becoming a 50-win team and not just be a fluky Eastern Conference Finals team, but an Eastern Conference favorite. He's a bucket, man. And he and he, he's very, like, athletic and uses, that, his, uses his athleticism very well on defense. You don't always see that out of, like, rookies at least. I think he's definitely a guy that 
can take their, like you said, before he got hurt, their team was at a a different level. And the fact that they kind of maintained that same, uh, you know, success after he got hurt is just speaks, you know, just leaps and bounds about McMillan and also about Trey and the rest of that squad kind of coming together and just, all right, hey, we all have to change our roles a little bit. We need you to do a little bit more of this. We need you to do a little bit more of this for us to, you know, kind of replace or, you know, make up for what we lost with that injury. And Hunter, man, I, I remember him said Virginia, you know, playing against Duke. And I was like, dude, like, he's a problem. Like, he, he can really get his own bucket. And he's just a big dude. He's, he's huge. a matchup nightmare. You know, he's a matchup nightmare doing what he does on offense and defense. Um, and at his size, he just it's a problem for, for, for defenses to match up, I'm sure, for coaches to prepare for him. Yeah, and another year for the Hawks with Bogdan Bogdanovich, who, if y'all remember, and we were talking about it on this very podcast, when the Hawks started turning it around, it wasn't just firing Lloyd Pierce and bringing in McMillan. It was having Bogdan Bogdanovich back in the lineup and healthy. That win streak that they went on, that run that way went on, was hand-in-hand hand with Bogdan's health and his performance. He is also a key to their success. Uh, we're not doing over-unders, but I'm hammering the Hawks over 47 and a half. I think they can fight for that three seed in the Eastern Conference. I'm riding with them. So now let's move on. Let's talk about the Heat and the Celtics real quick. Very weird, disappointing seasons for both of them last year. New coach in Boston. A lot of the same pieces as far as roster construction. They bring in Schroeder. The Heat, uh, they make some moves. They get Kyle Lowry, which is a huge changeup to the makeup of their team, right? So now you look at the Celtics and the Heat, Kyle, and you see disappointing ends and really just seasons in general last year. If you had to pick one of them to right the ship and get back to the winning ways that they expect to be at, who are you betting your money on, the Heat or the Celtics? I would say the Heat. Um, I think adding adding Kyle Lowry and adding P.J. Tucker, just two guys that are going to fit right in to uh, to the Heat culture. And I think uh, the Celtics, you know, getting their new coach, I think he's going to be a lot of learning curves and a lot of, you know, kind of poor chemistry early on. Uh, excuse me. I think Duffy and, I mean, kind of Jay Lou says it all the time too. Uh, like they might need to blow that thing up. And it's, it's, it's sucks to say because, you know, they have so much talent. Um, but it seems like every year, they kind of like slowly like someone on that team doesn't perform as well as they should. And it, their, their expectations aren't always met. And I think with another coach and again, learning a new system and trying to make adjustments to certain roles is going to poorly affect, you know, the results for this year. I, I think that maybe next year, maybe they'll, you know, if, if anything, you'll see better results from them next year they're all on the same page but I think at least this year it's tough to ask you know a, a new coach to come in and kind of automatically like right away just establish a culture and establish you know some expectations for them to automatically su- succeed compared to you know the heat with a kind of established established core and uh bringing in two veterans that that are still very productive yeah yeah, I mean, Jimmy was awesome last year, and he carried them to the season that they had. I mean, if he if he missed some time, they would have been dead in the water. They were almost dead in the water with him. So, on one hand, I'll say 
it's tough to trust the Heat fully because of the wear and tear Kyle Lowry and Butler have on them. And, like, I don't know if I trust Tyler Hero. I, I kind of don't to be a carrier of that team, you know? So that's what worries me about the Heat. But overall, I agree with you because what it comes down to with Brown and Tatum and the Celtics, and I went on a huge rant on this last year. I have it on Instagram, Subway Sports Talk. Check it out. Scroll down the page a little bit where they got theirs and their numbers were legit and their shooting numbers were legit. But there, if you dig into the stats, there were underlying stats there that kind of showed why they got theirs and the team didn't get its own, like get its all, get all of it because they weren't passing enough. They weren't getting everyone else going enough. They weren't attacking the rim enough, the two of them. They were settling, getting those highlight jumpers, those step backs in the corner for two or step backs for three at a lower clip. They can make the shots, but how often should they take the shots is my question. They need to be corralled as team leaders because they don't have a true playmaking uh leader on that team where you think about what Jimmy Butler can do. He can play point guard. He can facilitate if he's not shooting well, which he hardly shot the ball last year from three at all, but he can go and and give you a 16, 10 and 10 game if he needed to, right? Butler, I mean, sorry, Brown and Tatum need to figure out how to win. And it's a weird thing to think about because of all the winning they've done this early in their career and how much success they've had in the regular season and the playoffs. But they need to adjust their approach to for the betterment of the entire team. And that's something that is not always easy to pinpoint. But when you watch them day in, day out, and you dig into the underlying statistics, it's a little bit more clear that they're awesome, but there's a reason why the whole team hasn't been awesome. So that worries me a little bit. And this new coach got to figure out how to get them going in the right direction. So now let's move on because we're running out of time here. Not that we have a, a time limit, but you know we don't want to be up all night. So the other three teams left in the East, the Pacers, the uh, Bulls, and the Knicks. They're the only other teams projected to be uh, 500 or better. The Knicks are technically over under 41 and a half, which that gets them to 500, give or take uh, one, right? So Knicks fans think that they're the team. They think that the Knicks are as good as the Celtics, as good as the Heat, as good as the Hawks. Vegas is telling us they think they're a little lower. They think they're in that 6-9 to nine range in the Eastern Conference. I had a text from a friend, and now granted, I'll, I'll, I'll caveat this. He is a Celtics guy, so maybe the Boston guy likes to give uh, the Knicks fan a hard time, which is definitely true. I know him well. He said to me this, though. I think it's a fair enough assessment that Knicks fans don't want to hear but have to at least think about how to rebuttal. So, Kyle, I'll, I'll say this as a, a, a salty Celtics fan, and you take this how you want it. Gotcha. I posted on Instagram over under Knicks, right? He said, the Randall's coming back to earth, and that roster doesn't impress anyone. They were big-time overachievers last year. They're still going in the right direction, but they're not, they're not scaring anybody. When you hear that, what, where do you go? What do you think about? What's your rebuttal, or do you agree? I can see where he's saying that um, this team doesn't scare anybody. So if you look at them, you're like, oh, well, you know, well, they're all good players. They're all decent. There's no one on their team that's like, they don't have, I'll say this, and he's not even obviously like at the craziest level as, as some of these other players yet, but say like a Jason Tatum. He's not, we don't have a Jason Tatum. We don't have a Devin oh. Booker. Mm-mm. We don't have a, you know what I mean? We don't have any of those guys. But I will say is that 
they finally have a point guard that can get his own shot, you know, outside of obviously Derrick Rose, but I think he's more of a bench guy for us anyway. But, you know, as, as crazy as it is, like the Knicks kind of put all their eggs in the Kemba basket and, and not financially, but just yeah. for the season, you know, kind of like a tryout for the season, the middle of the season. Um, I, I think that um, RJ is going to take the next step. I mean, it seems like, like you said before, every year he's gotten better. Every year he's got something new in his bag. Um, and it, I haven't, it stinks because, you know, I'm just in the middle of the football season and everything, but like just seeing the size of Mitchell Robinson was nice to see. Like he, it looks like he's definitely been in the weight room and been like working out. And um, that's something that we're going to need. Just because, like, he's obviously been kind of in and out of the injury bug and kind of worrying about, like, oh, he's going to be offensively productive. We know he's pretty good on defense. He cleans up the glass. But I think he's going to be the X factor for this team. Is is he going to be able to give us, say, 10 and 10 a night? Is he going to be able to give us, you know, uh, nights where he can get to 20? You know, can he get 20 points a night? You know, not 20 points a night, but can he – can he give us every once in a while, can he score 20? And I remember before he got hurt, he only had about three or four games where he was in double digits, and that's just not enough. And I hope he's worked on his worked on his game just offensively because we're going to need more production from the five than Taj Gibson and Nerlens Noel. That's something we need to, uh, to kind of make up for, and that's kind of what hurt us, you know, in our postseason run. So hopefully he can make up that uh, – you know, just make up that 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 void we had. Right. It's it's such a great point because we're we're always so hopeful that he can put it together for seventy games, right? Like he can actually yeah. bring it for that long because we see the runs. I don't even want to say the flashes because it's more than flashes of of greatness at the center position. It's like runs of it where it's a couple games in a row. Like oh my god, this guy is a wrecking ball on defense, and the alley oops are insane. But you're right; he needs to keep adding more. Now, when I think about this Knicks team overall and why I think the 41-and-a-half number is a strong over possibility, it kind of goes against what I think about them as a playoff team. Because I think this bench unit, Kyle, is going to be a problem again. And it's a reason why they were so good last year. And it's a reason why when we got to the playoffs, we saw Derrick Rose and Emmanuel quickly become almost the starters, right? But right now, Kemba, Fournier, Barrett, Randall, Mitch. That's the starting five. That means the the backup unit is Derrick Rose, Manuel Quickly, Alec Burks, Obi Toppin, who's making strides and looking better than ever, Taj and Noel. That's a problem for people. That's going to be tough to deal with. And last year they killed people with the bench on the floor, and they can do it again this year. That's going to help them in the regular season. However, I don't know if it helps them uh, into the playoffs. Right. And, and and I don't know how much how many minutes they're gonna get, but dude, Grimes and McBride, man. Like, oh, love them. I don't know, man. Those dudes different, man. So some those are, those are like they might as well be from New York the way they play, man. They play hard as hell, even in preseason. Like they grind, they they grind on defense. They create for others. They can hit open shots, you know. And and this is that's kind of the same sentiment we were talking about. With um, you know, with Patty Mills with the second group, but dude, these are guys that these are these are the next guys that we want to 
start developing. So, all right, yo, say for some reason someone goes down and like last year, you know, Rose has to go up into the starting lineup or, you know, Thibodeau decides to kind of just mess around with the lineup. We're not like, shit, now Rose is off the second group, like how right. we did in the posting. Oh, Rose out of second group. Now our second group's kind of like, you know, not, you know, kind of wounded now. Dude, all right, put that next guy into the second group, into the second rotation now, and he's going to hold his own. You know, if he can keep producing the way he's – I mean, it looks like he's been doing in the preseason. It, it, it don't, they don't look like I'm scared rookies and this game's too fast. They look like they're kind of fitting right in with them. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I hope they find a way into the rotation, but it's going to be hard. And that's the thing about this team right now. Every guy is fighting for minutes in that rotation, and that's usually a good thing. And when you talk about Thibodeau burnout and him only playing X amount of guys, that could be problematic to get everybody going. Uh, And Derrick Rose has obviously hella miles on him. Kemba has miles on him. So maybe there will be those opportunities. I look forward to it. Quickly on Fournier before we move on and finish up here. Um, He's just adding something that didn't exist last year. A shot maker, a facilitator, not a a lead facilitator, but but a guy who can do it can move the ball, he can play team defense, which is what, what this team does. There's not many one-on-one elite defenders here, but he's been a part of good unit down in Orlando. He's going to add an element to this offense that didn't exist, that only existed when Alec Burks got hot from three. Now they have a guy who, in theory, does that night in, night out, 18 points a game, right? And that's going to add a, a nice dynamic to that front line that when Kemba's out, which is going to happen, right? We just have to expect that. We have a dude in Fournier who can now play alongside quickly and Rose and take away some of that playmaking responsibility. 100%. And, and uh, I think just adding his, his scoring to this offense, like you said, this, this, this scoring in his offense, sometimes just thinking back to when they played the Hawks, it was, I remember just watching the game and thinking, like, we are working so hard to get a bucket every right time now. every time and the hawks were coming down and it was like, all right pick and roll boom jumper pick and roll uh, get to the basket layup and i'm like dude we can't even get into we can't even get a paint touch like we can't even mm-hmm. get into the paint randall's working his ass off at the elbow trying to get a shot off or to get, to get a fade you know, away from hard. the corner yeah man like it we're, we are really going to like three seconds left on the shot clock and, and gassed after it because we're working so hard to get a shot off. And this is another guy now that can space the floor. Randall can work a little bit more now. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm Randall, I'm, I'm excited. We got another guy that can shoot it a little bit too. You know, his three-point percentage wasn't too bad last year either. He was in the third, high 30s, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Like, this is, this is a guy that can add now. All right, we're always – oh, man, like, I don't know. We kind of lost a little bit with Reggie. All right, well, he's not going to be Reggie Bullock, but you know what? We're going to have it. We we added a guy that can hit threes, which is going to help. So, um, just just having him on the team and adding another score, which we obviously needed, is is crucial for us right now. Absolutely. So I think that's good. I think you you and I would both take the over on this forty one and a half. Definitely. Yeah, I don't sure. I don't think they're forty seven, but I think they're forty four. You know, I think they're going to yeah. get there. I think they're going to be competitive, and we're going to see them in the playoffs again, or at least in the play in, because it's going to be tough in that Eastern Conference. Real quick thought on the Chicago Bulls. They're a little bit of the talk of the town right now, but they obviously have a ton to prove. The big three, if you want to call it, I don't hate that I even said that, but the the three big names of uh, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, they got Vucevic, who's probably 
the best player maybe of the of the three of them. Maybe Levine's right. been better the past year or two, but Vuce is right there. You know, he's been an all-star. Uh, do you expect them to actually turn that into success and wins, or are they just going to be a hella exciting team that we're watching on League Pass that doesn't really turn it into victories? Yeah, I, th- I think the biggest thing for them is can they are they going to play defense? They're going to have a lot of guys that can get to it and get can get to the Baja and can score, but, yo, can they play defense? Because, um, you know, besides Lonzo, I'm not looking to Caruso to lock anybody up. Patrick Williams. To, you know, right. And, and that's where a guy is going to have to step up. Like, I, I don't know if – is DeMar going to be the guy? You know, he's a little bit older. Is, uh, what do you call it, Vucevic a, a defender like that? You know, I we'll see. You know, I, I, I think – Personally, I think this is like going to be a an eighth seed, you know, or or ninth seed potentially. But I don't think. Excuse me, I'll say this: I don't think the Bulls are going to be stinking it up anymore with this roster, which is obviously an improvement. And it may not be this year, but maybe next year they'll be, you know, they'll be in the mix for for playing the, uh, you know, in kind of the middle middle seeds in the Easter Conference as opposed to this year. Yeah, they they should be fun at minimum, and I agree with you. Those questions are definitely there and need to be answered. So I think we hit on a lot of stuff in the West and the East. Let's go rapid fire right here really, really fast, Kyle. League pass teams, some teams we didn't talk about. So let's go with other teams. You know, Obviously, we talked about a bunch. So any team that we didn't talk about that has your interest, that you know, random Wednesday night, you're not busy, You know, football season might be over, you're not as busy now, and you got well. You still got basketball season coming up, and then baseball on the flip side. You're a busy yeah. guy over there. But <laughs> sorry to stress you out right there. But <laughs> you're free on a Wednesday night. What team are you looking at on League Pass to make sure you catch their game? Dude, no joke. I mean, I know, I know they're probably gonna be terrible. But I guess just for one player, I want to see if K Cunningham is legit. Hey, respect. Like, I, yeah, I, I legit, I legit kind of want to see if he's like the guy, and. I know it may not, it probably won't, you know, reflect in direct wins for them because they're obviously just, just really the definition of rebuild right now. But I want to see if he can translate his game to the league. I know he has a skill to do it, but I just want to see if he physically can just come in and kind of be an impact. Is is he going to make a, a positive impact for his team? Is he going to, you know, score when he needs to? Is he going to create shots for others? Um, I know he's going to make highlights and everything cause just because he's a freak athlete, mm. but I do want to see if, if his team is actually going to improve since he got there. You know, I, yeah. that's, that's what I want to see. And I, and I also want to watch the Kings. I think I want to see the Kings. Word. I want to see what, I want to see how that, how that kind of, that dynamic winds up. Cause I think Fox may move if it doesn't, or healed may move if it doesn't, or Halberton may move if it doesn't. Mm. But just as far as just the roster itself, the talent on the roster is, I think going to be like interesting to watch. Yeah, absolutely. I love Halliburton. We don't have, yeah, that's, that's known around here. Uh, so yeah, I actually have one, I have one more to add on that and it has to go with rookies, but it's also not only because of the rookie that I want to watch the Houston Rockets. So you mentioned Cade. Oh. I can't wait to watch Cade because I think what we all loved about him so much was he's not just a scorer. He's actually a guy who can make his teammates better and be that dude as a leader on the court. Right. So in Houston, you got uh, Jalen Green, who's a bucket, who apparently everyone says is an awesome dude and cares and is a grinder, insane athlete. So he's going to be awesome. But I got to throw in my guy, Kevin Porter 
Jr., if he can sure. just keep it on straight and stay on the court. My guy is a bucket. He can pass. He can do it all with the left hand. He is like if if y'all haven't watched Kevin Porter Jr. actually play basketball, you need to watch the Rockets, even though they're gonna win 26 games this year and be bad. They are gonna be fun. And Kevin Porter is gonna be a big reason why I can't wait to watch that man. Yeah, dude. He was he was dropping 50 clips last year, man. Crazy. Was like, oh man, oh Rockets lose by 10. But Kevin Kevin Porter Jr. had 50. I'm like, <laughs> oh man, like show the highlights. I'm like, dude, this dude is a bucket, man. He's tough. And, yeah. and obviously I'm I'm sure having Jalen Green on the team is gonna help even more because I mean Jalen's just just athletically. He is a freak. And if he doesn't figure it out this year, as far as like, oh, like he's, you know, some consistent, some consistent score, he definitely has the athleticism and the skill to be one. You know, if, if he doesn't figure it out in this first year, which, you know, obviously is tough, but he's a, he's a freak. Absolutely. I can't wait to he's watch that. To, to give two quick E shout outs, you know, watching LaMelo is always fun. I think the Hornets are going to struggle a little bit this year, but they'll still be fun to watch. The Raptors are kind of a sneaky team for me to keep an eye on this year. I love Scotty Barnes and what he can bring to the table. Him and Van Vliet, Goran Dragic, the veteran there. OG Ananobi, due for a big season. So I I really like what, what can happen in Toronto. But my last team for League Pass might be surprising to you. I'm going to be tuning into some Minnesota Timberwolves this year, bro. Oh, Anthony okay. Edwards impressed me last year. He got a lot of crap for the volume, but they were so freaking bad and... It was ugly for a while. Then they started actually grinding and playing real basketball uh, late in the season, and Carly Towns was healthy. So if Towns is healthy, I like a Koji. You know, Russell, I can kind of take or leave at this point in time with, with his efficiency or lack thereof. Jaden McDaniels is another name to watch out for. So with Ant Edwards, Towns, McDaniels, Malik Beasley off the bench, I'm going to be keeping an eye on Minnesota because everybody's waiting for Towns to request that trade. I'm not saying they're going to all of a sudden be like a playoff caliber team, but Las Vegas has the Timberwolves at 35 and a half on the over under. Some people might think that's higher than they expected. I think they can hit the over. I think they can grind and get to that 37, 38, you know, teeter across that play in action. And I just, I'm kind of excited to watch a healthy season of cat where, you know, hopefully with his personal stuff that he went through, not that it's like in the rear view in the sense that, you know, obviously he's going to be, that's tough. Like he's going to be struggling with that rest of his life, but he seems to be focused and locked in on basketball. And he's one of the best players we have in this league. Best talents. I'm excited to watch Timberwolves. Can't, I can't lie. Hey, I think that's that you, you said it, you nailed it on the head, man. Healthy. That's it. Is, is, is D'Lo going to stay healthy? And can Carl Anthony Town stay healthy? Very simple. If those guys can stay healthy, that's a, that's a, you know, just a young energetic squad. And, Anthony Edwards just keeps giving us like hilarious sound bites. Amazing. So I'm like 100% Yer. all about it. Shout out to Frank. Yer. When he's hitting the button. Yer. Yep. Yer. That was amazing. Oh my God. Dude. So funny. NBA content is back. It's safe to say. Yeah. Uh, we're excited for the season. We just talked about NBA for an hour and 40 freaking minutes. Kyle, you are a trooper. I appreciate Jeez. you. How's your brother? Go get some rest. I'm going to do the same. Uh, quick shout out. Cause I know you haven't been watching. Cause I, unless you had it on maybe, uh, I haven't been watching, but the Titans just knocked off the Bills, bro. Knocked them off. 34-31. Three wow. touchdowns wow. for High Derrick Henry. Game. Yes. Three for 143 yards on 20 carries. 
for three touchdowns for Derrick Henry. Mm. Unbelievable. And a fourth wow. down stop to keep uh, the uh, the Bills out of the first down on the goal line and out of the end zone. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. Dang. Yeah. That's Dang. nuts. Yeah, All right. This league's wide open, man. Crazy. Here we go. All it's right. Wide open. Next play Wednesday. Basketball starts tonight. Brooklyn versus Milwaukee. Golden State versus L.A. Sign me the frick up. I cannot wait. We're back. More content coming this week on Subway Sports Talk, talking football, talking Knicks. You know what it is. Kyle Anderson, I'm Pete Kennedy. Cheers, y'all.